introduction. I love you too. <laughs> um, good morning, church. My name is Mayen. And, um, you know, it's so good to be able to just come back and walk into this building and see and interact with people who are just not my family members. You know, I love interacting with my family members, but then it's nice to, you know, to interact with other people for a change. Um, so today, I'll be wrapping up the Bible in Real Life series, and the passage I'll be looking at um, is John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. I'll be looking at how that passage um, interacts with us concerning the voice of God. So let's read it. John 10, 1 to 10. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the ship fold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The, the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow, and they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do, do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep will not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Okay, let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord God, for your word, Father. Lord, we treasure and we love your word so much, Father God. I pray, Father, that even um, today as we study and look into your word, I pray your Holy Spirit, will speak through your word, will speak through me to minister to every heart that is listening right now, Lord God. I commit this to you in Jesus' name. Okay, so I'll be using the structure that um, Chris has taught us to use in the first uh, sermon of this series, the context, content, and consideration. So let's start with context. So chapter 10 records Jesus' description of himself as the door of the sheep, and the Good Shepherd. So um, chapter 10 follows continuously from chapter 9 because in the original manuscript, there's no like, you know, chapter division. So what happens in chapter 9 was that Jesus has healed a man born blind um, on Sabbath. And the man was brought to the Pharisees to be questioned because the Pharisees were not happy um, with how it was, you know, done. And then division broke out amongst the Pharisees and, his, and, and their followers. Um, so the Pharisees was, they were questioning um, the man, but they were so offended by what he had to say, they threw him out. Then Jesus went to him to reveal that he indeed is the son of God. And then began speaking to him about spiritual blindness. And then some Pharisees overheard the conversation, and then they began this debate with Jesus. So then chapter 10 begins with this discourse and this debate of Jesus attempting to explain the truth to them. And Jesus uses an analogy of sheep and shepherding, which they would have been familiar with, and describes himself as both the door to the sheepfold and as the shepherd who leads the sheep. The content. 
So Jesus began this discourse um, by describing who he is not. So he's not those who enter the sheepfold clandestinely, right? Clan- I mean, sorry, clandestinely, um, with evil intent for their own gains. He enters through the door of the sheepfold because he is the shepherd. He is recognized by the gatekeeper who opens the door to him. And then the sheep hear his voice. They know his voice. They recognize it. They're familiar with his voice and they follow him. So spiritually, this explains why the scribes and the Pharisees um, didn't accept Jesus because they were not his flock. So his commandments were foolishness to them. Then the Pharisees um, in verse 6 did not understand Jesus' figure of speech. So instead of changing tactic, he doubled down and he reiterated his point again, making it clearer. And he said, I am the door and only those who enter by me will be saved and have access to abundant life. Jesus told them later on in verse 11 that he is the shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. Now, it's important to note that Jesus being the door doesn't mean um, exclusion, right? Because um, he, 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 didn't mean, he doesn't mean to keep other flocks out because in verse 16, we know it says, um, I have other sheep, Jesus said, they are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. So the voice of God has, um, a, un- has a unifying effect amid division. Jesus being the door to the sheepfold is for the means of protection to guard against all that threatens the well-being of the sheep, such as thieves, robbers, and wolves. As the shepherd, he leads the sheep to nourishment, um, showing them every step of the way, the right path to go, protecting them from dangers, even to the point of laying down his life. The emphasis for the sheep, though, is that they hear his voice, They know his voice and they follow him to the abundant life he has for them. Derek Prince, one of my favorite teachers, he said, hearing the the shepherd's voice and obeying it is the distinctive mark of every Christ follower. Okay, so let's move on to consideration. So how do we take Jesus' teaching on hearing his voice and applying it in our daily life. So let's consider our own context today. Two points, age of information and narratives, and new season and common times. So we now live in an age where we are inundated with narratives and information, like every day, right? There are countless information and narratives being thrown at us to get our attention, to shape our thinking. When we go on social media, like Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, I guess, depending on your age, (laughs) which generation you're in. Um, You know, we see paid ads to influence our choices. Um, There are social media algorithms that curate the feeds that we get. So instead of being open to a diverse uh, voices, um, it solidifies our own. And then, um, you know, the the, uh, angles in which news articles are written, the movies that we see, the TV series that we watch, they all have underlying um, narratives that can shape our thinking and our beliefs. And the advancement of technology has enabled 
unprecedented personal engagements in a whole wide range of like issues, right? And that's not going to slow down. So in other words, we now live in a world where we are constantly bombarded with intentional, loud, deliberate, constant voices that seek to shape who we are, what we believe in, the decisions that we make, and hence how we live. And, you know, it's not just external voices. We are, there, are, there are internal voices that speak to us too, right? Our emotions and our will. Uncle Roland spoke about fear last Sunday. You know, our fears are speaking to us loud and clear, directing our decisions. Um, so with all these noises, it can be very difficult to tune in, to hear, and even recognize the voice of the Lord, right? Another consideration um, is that we are now in a new season. We are now living in uncommon times. You know, I don't need to belabor that point, right? Because we look at what's happening around us and we know we are in unprecedented times. I know people are a bit sick of that term. <laughs> I know people are a bit sick of that term, right? But, but it is what it is. Um, and, you know, what we are going through now might have happened before, but a large majority of us have not lived through these times, right? No world leaders, no pastors, no any form of leaders um, have navigated through these times before. So we are living in uncommon times, new season. Um, back in early 2020, like just a couple of months before the pandemic, God actually gave me a dream about this, right? I did not exactly understand what he was trying to say. So this dream I've shared with some of you before, so for, forgive me if, you know, I'm repeating to you. Um, for those who don't know, Chris and I, we have three kids. Rachel, who's going to be 22, uh, Nikki, 19, and Grace will be, uh, no, Grace is already 14. So in this dream, right, I saw Grace. She was like back in the toddler age, two, three years old, and we were in a snow field. And um, she was out there playing in the snow for hours, but her back was facing me. But she was wearing, so, I so vividly remember what she was wearing. She was wearing this nice striped pink uh, beanie that used to belong to Rachel. And, and like a stripe, you know, I, I, I love stripes, so I used to buy a lot of stripey things. So like she has like a striped um, scarf around her neck. And she was wearing Nikki's red puffy like downfill jacket um, and, and gloves, you know. And she was like, really dressed warmly for, for the weather. And a few hours have passed in my dream, um, and when it was time to, to, to go, I picked her up and I turned her around. And to my shock, she was all blue. Her lips were blue and she was so cold. And I quickly picked her, picked her up and I held her close to my chest. And I woke up and I remember the Lord was telling me that, you know, all the things um, that were tried and tested because she was wearing um, her garments belonged to Rachel and Nikki. They had worked really well for them, right? They are tried and tested. So one of the things I felt the Lord saying to me, all the things that were tried and tested, paths that were well um, traversed, best practices of past seasons, they might have worked really well then, it's not going to work well now because this is a new season. We are coming in to a new season. So it's highly likely now, right? Now that, you know, then, then well, the pandemic hit and then everything changed and then I realized, oh, like, now I know I understand what you're trying to tell me. Um, so it's highly likely now that things, where things are going and heading, that it's not going to go back um, to business as usual. 
So to successfully navigate um, through this time, we all need to hear and be led by the voice of God. So Jeremiah 33, 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer you and tell you the great and hidden things you do not know. So today, I'm going to um, talk about making space for the voice of God. Because unless we intentionally clear out other voices and make room and guard that space, we risk not hearing him um, and be led astray by our adversary who is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking those whom he may devour. So, application, how do we make space for the voice of God um, you know, in this time? So this is just my personal journey. It is by no means a comprehensive list, but it is my hope and prayer that as we, I share my stories and my testimonies, um, that the Holy Spirit will stir within you a desire, a deep desire for His voice. So I'll start with um, the most important point. It's the anchor from which, um, it's, it's anchor and the foundation from which we hear um, the voice of God. It is intimacy, intimacy with Christ Jesus. In um, 2019, I wasn't in the best state emotionally and spiritually. And I found myself stewing in um, dissatisfaction and weariness for the bulk of the year. You know, I like, you know, when, when we, you know, back when we were used, when we used to uh, meet here, I used to sit with, next to Roger and Denise all the time, you know, and I remember he was telling me, he was asking me after one Sunday, he's like, is everything okay with you? You've been crying an awful lot. Well, it was during that time. Um, and during my lament time with God at the quiet time one day, a rhema word came, right? And I heard God said, I gave you my son. A simple foundational word um, that, you know, I, I must have read like, what, 5,000 times throughout my 26 years, uh, say 26 years walking with the Lord. But that day when, when that word came, it was like a breath of fresh air to dry bone. You know, it, it, it set me free and delivered me from the, from the negative emotional state that I was at. So then 2020 came and I started the year with a three-week fast because I was so sick of what was going on in 2019 and I wanted to um, start 2020 differently. And then that holy discontent led me to pursue deeper intimacy with Him. I remember I would sit in the afternoon you know, every afternoon, most afternoons, this is during the lockdown already, right? I would sit most afternoons um, in, in the small study that we have in our house, and then all I wanted to do is just sit in his presence and spend time with him. I wouldn't come with him with a prayer request or whatever, but I just really want his presence, you know. I would spend hours worshipping, studying his word, just sitting in his presence, and then when the whole household's gone to bed, I would stay up from like 1 to 3 o'clock, just spending time with the Lord. And it was from that foundational um, intimacy that God began to speak to me um, clearer. You know, I began to receive um, dreams and visions from Him. He's begin, he began speaking to me with a sense of knowing and even through physical senses like touch and smell. So back to John, right? The sheep didn't just 
hear the shepherd's voice. They know his voice. They recognize his voice. And the Bible says he calls his own sheep by name. It denotes intimacy, right? When we grow in intimacy with Jesus, we are, in essence, getting a deeper revelation of who he is. And, you know, it generates a response of worship. You know, we discover that, indeed, there is no one like him, right? And, and, and there's no other response but to worship. Um, and our love for him grows. And in that posture of worship and of love, we position ourselves better to hear his voice. So intimacy enhances our hearing, and hearing and following God's voice in turn then deepen our intimacy with, um, with, with Jesus. It's a positive cycle. So we have a relationship with the Lord. And when the Lord speaks, he's not just giving us instructions to follow, right? Every time he speaks, he's inviting us into a deeper encounter with him, a deeper place of intimacy. And in that place, we begin to hear more and we hear clearer. Psalm 25, 14 from the Passion Translation, one of my favorite verses, says, there is a private place reserved for the devoted lovers of Yahweh, where they sit near him and receive the revelation secrets of his promises. You know, we need to be lovers of God. And in the New International Version, it says, um, those who fear the Lord. You know, instead of lovers, it says, those who fear the Lord. So we need to have the fear of the Lord in order to obey what we hear. So intimacy doesn't happen by accident. We have to be very intentional. We have to make sure we take time um, from our schedule, make space in our daily life to spend with Him. We can't have intimacy if we don't spend time. I know we're all busy. Right? We all have a lot of things to do, but we never not have time for the things that our hearts treasure. It's about priority. It's about what our hearts treasure. It's not about our busy schedule. And the second, and the second point um, of which we can make space for the voice of God is to get into His Word. It is one of the primary means God uh, speaks through us. Right? And that's the best place to start. 2 Timothy 3.16, it says, all, scriptures, all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and for the training in righteousness. So even though the Bible came to us by the pens of many authors, as we can see in, its, um, in all the different um, literary styles, perspectives, and emphasis, um, the ultimate author, the ultimate source is God. So there are two Greek words that describe scripture, logos and rhema. So logos refers to the total inspired word of God and to Jesus, who is the living word. In John 1.1, 1, 1, it says, in the beginning was the word, logos, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So we know the word refers to Jesus. So logos is Jesus personified. He is the embodiment of God's total uh, mind and counsel. And then Rima refers to the spoken word. Matthew 4.4 4 says, Man shall not live by um, bread alone, but by every... can't really see. But by... <laughs> by <laughs> sorry. By, but by every... Where am I? Word... <laughs> 
Sorry, let me, let me do that again. So Matthew 4, 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Rema. A rema that is authentic, is spirit-inspired, and is consistent with the logos, and is consistent with the character of God. So practically, when I read the Bible, when I open up my Bible, I take a bit of time and I invite the author of the Bible, Holy Spirit, who is resonant within me, to teach me, to show me, to illuminate passages of Scripture that he wants to talk to me about today. And often, you know, um, passages of Scriptures will jump up and they will speak into the questions that I have and the circumstances that I'm in. Um, and, you know, um, Romans 10, 17 says, Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Now, it didn't say faith comes from reading, right? I'm not sure like, about you, but, but, you know, well, I'm sure many of you, me included, um, sometimes we read the Bible and it's just reading. It's just like a spiritual discipline. And we, we, don't, we don't sometimes connect with it. But then when the Holy Spirit brings forth a rhema word from the Logos and it speaks directly into our circumstances, my faith is like built up. So, get into the Word of God. Um, it's, it's, it says it, it is like the, the bread, right? Like our spirit needs that sustenance every day, just like our physical body needs food and bread sustenance every day. Get into the Word. Um, don't rely on just like, you know, once a week preaching. Get into the Word yourself daily. So the third point on how we can make space for the voice of God is repentance. Firstly, if you have doubt that you can or will hear God's voice, don't. Repent of that. Bring that before the Lord. God's voice is not some mysterious, mythical element of our Christian faith, right? And it's not reserved for people with like a particular um, spiritual stature. No, no, no. Jesus said his sheep hear his voice and they follow him and we can take his word for it. So when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Saviour, right, we die to self and Christ comes and lives within us. Um, the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And in Romans 8.14, it says, sons and daughters of, of God are led by the Spirit. Um, verse 15, it says that, you know, we are adopted by the Spirit of adoption to the family of God. So now we call Him our Father. It means that we are sons and daughters of the Most High and we are led by the Holy Spirit. So your Abba Father, your heavenly Abba Father, wants to communicate with you through the indwelling um, Holy Spirit that's within you, right? And he, He's with you, leading you, guiding you, speaking to you. So it's a resounding yes if you're asking, can I or will I hear God, right? You can and you will, you will hear the voice of, Lord, of the Lord because that's what the Bible says. So if you have doubts, and I had doubts when I was younger, and I would just tell the Lord, you know, honestly, and then I just go, well, you know, I don't really know, Lord, if I can hear you. I don't really know how to, and I don't really know if what I'm hearing is from you or not. And I'll just lay it, you know, at his feet, and I just go, like, Lord, but this is what your word says. So will you please teach me, guide me? So, and which father, right, 
when a child comes and requests to hear and understand what he's trying to say to them, would, would reject that, right? Like, even if your, your, your natural fathers do that, I can assure you, your heavenly father would not. He would welcome that, um, that, that posture. And he would want to lead you and speak with you and guide you and teach you how to do it. So another thing that we ought to watch out for is um, if you're holding a grudge or holding to, to hurt or resentment, right? then our heart is hardened and it can block us from hearing the voice of God. Resentment and unforgiveness are self-inflicting wounds Right? They allow people who have hurt us in the past to keep hurting us again today, every day. So um, if, if you feel that, or, or if the Holy Spirit is maybe you know, convicting you and, and, and showing you, perhaps there's something that you're holding on to that is a barrier um, to you hearing His voice, I want to encourage you to bring that before Him, lay them at His feet. Repent, let them go, right? Having a disposition of repentance helps sharpen our spiritual senses to hear God. Okay, fourth point. And in this fourth point, I'll be covering three smaller points. Like, sorry, there's a lot of, like, information. <laughs> um, fourth point, stillness of soul. So this point is about making space internally and decluttering, the, and, 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 I mean, decluttering our soul and removing distractions from our soul. So this one actually is quite hard for me because I have a very busy mind, right? I like information, I like research, I like um, reasoning and logical analysis, I like to know two sides of a story. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that if I'm not careful, I can be inundated with all of this information that aren't necessarily the voice of God. Um, and one thing I've needed to learn is to not let my own reasoning and intellect speak louder than the voice of God. Um, so in this, you know, we talked about, about the age of information and narrative. So in this age, it's important to regularly switch off all the other voices. Social media, news, our research, or even like teaching or prophetic voices that, that you, you hear and you follow. Right, so that we can tune our own spiritual senses to the voice of God. I know, um, you know, there are very many um, godly teaching and prophetic voices um, that that we listen to and we follow, and, and they have important place um, in the body of Christ. But that doesn't take away our responsibility of hearing God for ourselves. God has given us direct access to Him because of what Christ Jesus has done for us. So when we don't hear God, often it's not because um, He isn't speaking, but that we aren't tuned in and we can't pick up His voice in the midst of all these other voices that we feed ourselves with. And God often speaks in a still, small voice, right? Just that gentle prompting. And if our soul is cluttered with other voices, it will be very difficult to pick it out. So um, a quick practical example of how our family make um, decisions um, with like, our own due diligence and the voice of God. So we, last year, we thought, oh, maybe we'll sell our house. So then we do our own due diligence. We, we look at the market. We, got a, the, we spoke to different uh, estate agents. We got them to come and, and, and uh, appraise our house. And you know, um, 
we, we look at what are the, the houses that have been sold in our area, the prices that, that they were sold at. And then I think a, a month must, must have passed and then it was time for us to actually make a decision. And we know that you know, before we make a decision like that, uh, or most of our decisions, we want to hear what God has to say. So then Chris and I would usually then, uh, with most decisions, uh, go pray separately. Um, and in this instance, while we were doing that, we both heard God say, no. So then we just, okay, fine, we'll just like shelve it for now and then maybe, you know, we'll revisit it later and we'll, we'll seek God's guidance again. Um, yep. Um, another helpful way, which is the sub-point number two, is awareness. So it's really helpful um, to make space for the voice of God when we are able to be aware that His presence is with us all the time. Like His presence is right here with me and His presence is right here, right there with you in your home. I have internal dialogues with Him throughout the day Right, my family knows because apparently I have a tell, and they say I do this thing when I'm thinking, you know, dialoguing, you know, with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes that my lips start to move, and I do the. So, so you know, and they, they like will make fun of me. So now, I'm learning not to move my lips when I think, or I do this thing where I go, you know, like that, just so that I cover my mouth when I think or when I dialogue with the Holy Spirit. But anyway, my point is right. Cultivate an awareness of his presence. Consult him, speak with him. It's a relationship, right? He's not designated to speaking with us only at a certain appointed times because of an appointment or a quiet time. He's speaking with us throughout the day. We just need to be aware and we need to um, be conscious that, that he is and, 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 and tune in. You know, in my role as a mom, um, being aware that the Lord is speaking to me has thwarted like the enemy's plan in harming my children. I remember um, very many years ago when Rachel was three. You know, I was dropping her to kinder, and on the way to kinder, I felt this uneasy tugging of the Lord, but I couldn't place a finger on it. I don't know what it was. So all I did was after I dropped her, and I just interceded in tongues until I felt peace. Right. So then two hours passed, and when it was time to pick her, I went back to pick her. And we were crossing the road, and while we were crossing the road, she had a hat on, and we were in the middle of the two lanes. Her hat fell off and blew backwards. And she let go of my hand, ran backwards to pick up her hat. And then instead of running back to me and stopping where I was at, she ran past me through the other side of, of the road. And then when she was running across, a car came. The car was coming so close and the lady in the car, bless her, she just slammed on the brake and it just missed Rachel by like, oh my gosh, I don't know, like one centimeter or something. And I looked and the whole thing unfolded in front of my eye. And I, like Rachel, you know, burst out in, in tears. She was crying and shouting and then, you know, the teachers came out, other students came out, the neighbors came out to see what the commotion was about. Um, and then when I got home, I was shaking. I was shaking, but I was um, so grateful that the Lord prompted me and I could intercede for her. 
Um, and another time, I remember I was putting Gracie to sleep, and then I was leaving her room. The Lord prompted me to go into Nikki's room, so I went in, right, only to find that she was he was wrestling with something, and I could uh, minister to him and pray with him. So over the years, the Lord has spoken to me through many promptings, visions, dreams concerning my children and my family, and it has helped me so much in my parenting and intercession for them. So the last point I want to cover under stillness of soul um, is resting in the Lord. Now, resting is not just a pause from an activity because we are tired or to prevent us from getting tired. Um, it's, it's for that, but it's not just that. When, we, well, no, when God rested on the seventh day, He rested because his work of creation was complete. It was done in perfection. It was put in perfect order. He didn't rest because he was tired. To still our soul requires us to rest in the completed work of God, to abide, right? John 15 says, we are the branches and Jesus is the vine. Now, a branch doesn't have to strive to bear fruit, it just needs to be connected to the vine because that's where the branch draws everything that it needs to bear fruit. So our soul won't be able to rest if we think we are the ones shouldering the burdens around us and instead of resting, we will be striving. So when we come to God and our soul is burdened with the worries of life, it blocks us from hearing God. So instead, we can come to him, lay our petitions before him, like what the, the, the word has said, um, and exchange for rest and peace. You know, you can always tell when a person has learned to find rest in God because they always carry a sense of peace about them. Even in the midst of spiritual battles, they fight from a place of rest in God in total reliance and surrender. You know, I covered that. I really want that. And I'm working now, you know, with the Holy Spirit <laughs> to, uh, to learn to do that, to learn to, to really rest in God. So the final point on how to make space for the voice of God is to welcome and value prophetic expressions. So on the day of Pentecost, in Acts 2, verses 17 and 18, Peter quoted the words of the prophet Joel, right? And it says, And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall, so, shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. Prophetic expressions such as visions, dreams, prophecies that are spirit-inspired. You know, they are um, God's end-time provisions for us. It is a part of God's end-time strategy, spiritual weapons, and means of communication with us. And it is available for all of God's children, right? Old, young, male, female. So um, I'm going to share this quick story with you, and it's about Grace, and I've got her permission to share it. Last Sunday, she woke up with 
a bad pain on her foot. And because it was coming from the place where her bunion is, so we just very naturally assumed that she has like bunion pain, right? So we applied heat pack and we gave her painkillers, but the pain was still there when night came. So then we were getting ready for bed and we were brushing our teeth, right? And, you know, being aware of God's presence and He's speaking to us all the time. So we were brushing our teeth and then she suddenly remembered the dream that she had the night before. She dreamt that she has gout, right? And, and, and in the gout, I mean, in the, gout, in the dream, um, that, that, you know, in, in the dream, she also remembered that, oh, everyone said I'm like Amma and Amma has gout, so I must have gout too. And then she woke up with that foot pain. And then when she was sharing that dream with me, I saw the word bloodline and I felt the Lord quickened me to pray with her and to cut off gout from the bloodline, right? So we did. I prayed with her to cut off gout from the bloodline and to cut off all the spiritual, negative spiritual transference, um, uh, you know, like through the bloodline. And the interesting thing was that when she was telling me uh, that night, earlier that day, right, I had a conversation with my mother-in-law um, and she just told me that she has just recovered from gout. So it was like she recovered. The next day, Grace had it. So then after praying, the pain instantaneously disappeared. Right? And Grace was like, she was checking her toe and then doing things that she couldn't do before because of the pain. And she was just so amazed by the encounter that she had. That God spoke to her in a dream and spoke to me in a prompting to uncover the root cause of a foot pain and brought healing and deliverance. So parents, teach your kids how to tune into the voice of God. Um, teach them that, you know, that God speaks to them in their sleep. God speaks to them um, when they are, you know, doing their, their normal activities. So, and it's available to all. Um, another thing I often hear is that, um, you know, some people will say, oh, no, no, I, I, I'm not gifted that way, right? But then from the passage that we've just read, we know God speaks to, to us um, through prophetic expressions irrespective of our gifting. So in Corinthians 14 verse 1, it says, Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Now, his, Paul is not speaking only to a small group of people whose, whose giftings are in the you know, prophetic um, arena. He's talking to everyone. And, um, you know, I've been speaking about hearing God's voice and how essential it is for ourselves, but it's also for others. We hear the prophetic voice of God for the benefit of others. 1 Corinthians um, 14 verses 3 and 4. The one who prophesies speaks to people for the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. And verse 4, the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now this passage, 1 Corinthians 14, comes after Paul's famous passage on love in chapter 13. So Paul exhorts us to have love as our guiding disposition when we exercise our spiritual gifts. So when we make space for the prophetic voice of God and we prophesy over one another to encourage, to console, to build up and to edify, it is an act of love that we can show towards one another.
So one caution though regarding prophetic expressions is that they must, must be biblically consistent. Genuine prophetic expressions, they are inspired by the Holy Spirit, don't deviate from the Word of God. And it is consistent with the character of God. And they must be weighed and tested and submitted to the Word of God and other spiritual, like mature leaders who act as guardrails, checks, and balances. 1 Corinthians 14, 29, it says, Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. To weigh a prophecy means to separate thoroughly, to distinguish, to draw out what is good, to oppose what is bad, and to consider it very carefully. And 1 Thessalonians 5, 20 to 21 says, Do not despise prophecy, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, esteem prophecy well, and test them to see if they are in line with Scripture and the character of God. Now, I'm very passionate about the topic of hearing the prophetic voice of God because countless times throughout my walk, my walk with God in the last um, 26 years, I have been so encouraged, built up, and edified by them. Um, they have brought about repentance when I was wayward, comfort when I was hurting, um, encouragement when I was disappointed, and fire when I was complacent. And, I was, and I'm very grateful for um, the brothers and sisters of Christ who um, have been obedient to the Lord in hearing His voice and discharging them faithfully to the body of Christ. That's why I'm very excited about the session that we'll be having with Jono and Phelan. And um, you know, after the service, I want to encourage all of you to join us if you can. You'll be really blessed by it. So to conclude my message for today, um, allow me to share a vision that the Lord showed me. Again, it, this is in the early part of 2020 before um, the pandemic hit us. Um, in my quiet time, I um, saw the word change and transformation. But then there is a big space, like a big chasm between the word change and transformation. And I felt the Lord saying that a period of change, um, you know, it, it, it's coming, right? Change. But changes that have been brought to us externally don't naturally translate to an internal transformation that the Lord wants to do in us. And then after the intervention, I saw the word yield drop down and, fade and, and, and fill the space between change and transformation. To yield means to follow, to obey, to surrender. In the midst of this new changing season, with so much changes being thrown at us, whether we like it or not, there is a work of internal transformation that the Holy Spirit wants to do within each and every one of us. And um, unless we yield to his voice, we yield to the work of his hands. We are not able to, to, to be transformed in the way that the Lord wants to, to transform us. So the Lord speaks to us, but it is our responsibility to make space for his voice so we can hear him and follow. It is the obedience to the voice that will yield 
the fruit of an abundant, of an abundant life. There's no point hearing if we don't follow. And, um, you know, scriptures have shown us how crucial hearing and obeying God's voice is and the dire consequences of not following his voice. And I want to highlight one. Jeremiah 7, 22 to 24. I haven't got, I don't have it up, but I'll just read it to you. For in the day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I did not speak to your fathers or command them concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. No, he didn't. But this, I, this command I gave to them. Obey my voice, and I will be your God, and you shall be my people, and walk in all the way that I commanded that I command you, and it may be well with that it may be well with you. But they did not obey or incline their ear, but walked in their own counsels and the stubbornness of their evil hearts, and then went and they went backward and not forward. Now Israel was given a specific instruction, right? Hear God's voice and obey. They were given a choice and they chose wrongly. Israel's downfall had everything to do with their inability to yield to the voice of, of the Lord. So today, we are given the same choice. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and to destroy. But I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. Are we yielding to the voice of the thief and be led astray like the Israelites? Or are we going to yield to the voice of God and be led into this abundant life that he has for us? Let's close in prayer. Father, we need you so much, Lord God. We need you and we need your voice to lead and to guide us, Lord God, through these seasons that you're bringing us through, Father. Lord, I pray, Lord, you stir a hunger for your voice within us, Lord God, and help us to purpose in our hearts to yield to the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives so that we can be transformed into your, into your image day by day and grow from glory to glory. Give us strength and grace to walk in obedience to your voice. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.